Okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. So for context, uh, Danny and I were just talking about his first video on his educational YouTube channel, which is it still called Danny Hatcher now? I'm not sure because you've changed it quite a few times. It's still called Danny Hatcher. Yeah. So I, I changed the what was the second channel, second channel into in my head, yeah, yeah, into my first channel and not with regards to views, subscribers or anything, but first channel is in my first channel focus. So the videos yeah. I'm doing on the Danny Talks tech channel, the Obsidian channel, the one most people are familiar with, uh, those videos don't take as long as ones where I need to research. <laughs> they don't take any time until you sit there, press a button, hit record and off you go. It's, Unless it's... you get 100 plugins to review and then you fucked <laughs> It still takes a couple of days. Like I need to actually go yeah. through the plugin and be like, what is this meant to do? Does this plugin even work before obviously I can talk about it? So it takes a couple of days, but that still gives me at least three days. But because I don't work five days a week, I work seven days a week because I work for myself. Uh, that's actually five days of work. Uh, I know you should take rests. Oh, don't talk to me about rest. Uh, I, I know how to rest and recover. Like my whole degree is my whole master's degree was about rest and recovery. So anyway, um, we were just discussing the research that I'm doing for those videos. Now, when you look at the video essays on YouTube and the documentary style videos on YouTube, they look really well done. They look really well published. There are hundreds, hundreds of examples of it, but they don't tell you about the research behind it. Now, I'm going to put a caveat here. Some of them don't do very good research and you can tell because of the sources and you can tell because of the scripting of the video, but the... The point of the video isn't for it to be evidence-based or justified. The point is to share a narrative, right? Now, I'm not saying, oh, you've only got one reference. That's bad because that one reference could be like an encyclopedic book of like a thousand pages. So that could be fine. Uh, but you, as someone that researches, you can generally tell if there is synthesis in the argument they're making or not. Um, and sometimes people make videos on surface level research because it's exciting. It's what I would class as fake news. Um Hint, hint. And the research that I'm doing at the moment, or have been doing for almost three weeks now around one topic, <laughs> I've I've had to change how I do my research. I don't know how in how in depth you want me to go because I, I'm intrigued. So what I'd like to hear, I don't care about anyone else, but what I'm interested in, because I'm coming from a non-academic background. So I don't know the academic process. And I also don't know, I, I'd be intrigued to know what the academic process is and then what that process has shifted into for you hmm. or your academic process and then your process now. Because I've not been a tradition, you know, I've not been in academia in that sense where research actually mattered. It was just rote repetition. Great, great way to learn. Yeah. Um, for, for context, I think we can actually move around to some issues inside of Obsidian as well later on, because I think academic writing, there was a post on Reddit that really got my spine up. They said Obsidian is bad for writing. Microsoft Word is better or Docs is even better. And I was like, you what? You you are either not familiar with Obsidian, do not do much referencing or are like 70 and are stuck in your old ways. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, just as a, I mean, let's go there first because that's the bit that people shout for, and then we can talk about the people like the Obsidian talk. Yeah. I have start. I've taken on kind of your like sprawling wall of fun. Um, oh, canvas. The canvas sprawl. I'm just going to call it sprawling wall of fun because it's actually more entertaining and, and I enjoy it more. But I started the, the looking, mad detective. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really fun. I did it with um, the Brownian process. I'm like, oh, this is very spicy. This is very like complex. One, ChatGPT helped me a little bit. Two, explain paper, do a little bit more. Three, elicit, do a tiny bit more. <laughs> and then I'm like, this is fascinating how all of this goes together and sprawling it out <clears throat> and breaking it down the, the whole entire... Could you screen share it or is it a behind the scenes sort of thing uh did i screen share it? i haven't shared it with anyone yet because i'm still playing with it okay no i'm just sort of for reference for youtube maybe they want to see where it's at at the moment sort of a, a snapshot process sort of thing because oh, i saw yeah. i saw mine last week and mine was uh not finished but i mean you oh yeah mine is the... mine is still very very like beginning 
I've got loads of ideas that my brain is still like going, okay, let's break it down really slowly. Obviously, I don't research as much as you in a day. I can't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've kind of broken it down. I found Gaussian process first and then Brownian motion. Okay. And I realized that they were kind of this meaning the same thing. And so I was like, okay, cool. Let's go look at that. And I remember you, I think it was you like ages ago going, wait till you learn about this. And then I heard it. I'm like, I want to learn about this. And so I went through and kind of thought of how it works. I used a bit of chat GPT because quite frankly, this terrifies me. I'm nowhere near this level of maths and I could spend years learning it, but I don't want to. So I used a bit of chat GPT and then checked references and stuff and i broke it down into a like what each section meant to me mm -hmm. and then i had another like collection here just like this is what it means to me yeah as it relates to like that traditional productivity idea it's interesting you have so obviously you saw mine last week i have like, a couple of words in each box because i just want the the overview bit i did uh, so this is something that may be coming out in a video at some point. I don't know. But the way I've done it is I have my research file, right? Yeah. And what I do is I link the heading of the section in the Canvas. That actually, yeah. So I can see the heading I have... and I don't have to look at all the text. Yeah, that is something that I'm thinking I'm going to do with this. Because, I mean, this was just going to be, oh, I'll look at this and see a little bit about it. And I underestimated how much was in there, um, <laughs> quite frankly. And so my plan is to create an actual note and then break it down and like create. and Because none of these are actual notes right now. They are just mm. blocks. So my plan is to turn it into an actual note, add all of this in here, and then link directly to that. It was just, I need to throw this all together because my brain is like, this is exciting. Yeah. This is how you explain dynamic productivity in a way that kind of tracks to me and more so. And I'm like, this is fun. There's a formula and formulas are cool. <laughs> and that was about... <laughs> it makes me look smart. <laughs> it makes me look smart too. Um, I, so I what are the colours for? Just for those listening, yeah, there's a, so a the green, green box kind of... for the... Yeah. The green is kind of like, this is a core concept. This is a core thing that I'm looking into. So if you look up here, I had all of these in here too that I was planning to dive into. And then I realized this was getting way too big, way too quickly. Um, you see now <laughs> so why just, mine was just like a mess. Yeah, I was like, okay, these are things I want to talk about. And then I found this. I found the research paper that talks about this. And I went, oh, I'm going to go on a deep dive here today. Um, and then these are kind of like, Almost my explana explanations of it broken right down into the core components. Because uh, for those watching, like, I don't understand this just by looking at it. So I want it really broken down so I know what each thing represents based on my own, like, using the constraint of productivity. Because I know it's not just about productivity, this, this concept. So I'm like, I'm zooming it into productivity because it's something that I talk about. Um, I broke it down into the core components and then I had like my translation. So the orange is like, here is what I think it looks like. Here is what I like. This is my thought of it. For those that can't hear, I'm curious because you've got one arrow coming out of the formula, which is I assume summarizing the DWT bit. And then yes. the arrow that comes out of that is the U. So it's kind of like, yeah. So it's like, it's almost like going through the whole formula step by step. So it's like this represents this, which leads to this, which leads like this is the next bit, this is the next bit, this is the next bit. Interesting. See, the way I would approach that, no right or wrong here, obviously. Yeah. But the way I'd approach it is actually have all of them linked to the original formula. So yeah, that is I. That's actually a really nice idea. I liked it this way because it, this is how I'm reading it. When I read it, I'm like, oh, this represents this, and then that I'm like reading the formula as I go. If that makes sense. So it's like, you know, but that's how. So that's yeah. how I actually use the left and right bit. So I would still have it linked to the formula, and I would still have it laid out in the same way. But I would just yeah. change the arrows from like one part, etc., to the formula because moving forwards, knowing maths, they can change the order, and it would change the formula. So you could then Ooh, have arrows coming point. going to a different formula 
from the individual components. So the DWT is obviously going to stand for something and you have it coming out of one formula. But if it goes to another one that uses the DT plus whatever symbol that whole thing looks that's like. That's very true. Yeah. You can then link them elsewhere. So it takes out the linearity of the cards oh. and makes them their own thing, which is the whole atomic note, blah, 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 rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I like just... that. I think for me, when I was doing this, it was very much like, this is the only thing I'm going to be thinking about. But that is a very, very good point. That's just the start of the process. I mean, I I yeah. would start something similar. The only reason I say that is because I've done a couple of canvases now and I yeah. just default to just, I'll just spurt them off one. Yeah, that's uh, a good idea. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's the process that I'm looking at. And it, it's been nice to just dump. Yeah. And play yeah. and see what happens. I can show you my canvas uh, or a canvas uh, yeah, quickly. This isn't we'll what this isn't. Yeah, this isn't the process that I was specifically talking about. Woo-hoo! But Here this is th- this is a small part of a massive canvas. Um, but you can see this is a heading. It's a heading yeah. inside of the research file. This is ah. a heading inside of the research file. This is just a card. It's just, it's just a blank card that isn't anywhere. This was a blank card anywhere, and I turned it into a heading inside the file. How did you do? Did you, so? How? What's the process for doing that? Did you do that? Uh, I I literally just hold control, copy a heading from somewhere, right click, and then go swap file. Or not swap file. Swap uh, narrow to heading. You can narrow to a block, but I don't want to be that specific yet. Narrow to a block, and then I narrow to one of the headings, and then I can just move all of the. So I don't know if you, from the old one. Well, I can just one. drag that and be like, hey, that goes up there now. Um, cool. But, yeah, because yeah. I was intrigued because it was originally a block. Did you merge it or anything? Or was it literally just, I copied that, put it in the main file, and there we go? Yeah, it was, it's just a copy, and then I drag all of them to the new one, and then I can get rid of the the old blank block. Um, nice. And I've done nice. that else, everywhere else. But I can see now, okay, this is a heading, this is a heading, this is a heading, this is a heading. I've got points on them, and this one, and this one, and this one. These I don't have points on, and then I have my color coding of orange, these are questions, yellow, this is a really important point. Purple, this is the main topic idea. Green, this is a, a good answer, potentially, or solution to the problem. Uh, and then red is, hey, this is a problem. And then the same color coding for all of the lines and connections around, which is, uh, let's just zoom out. That's to give you an idea of what's yeah. going on. That's my to-do so, list of stuff. So one of the things that I was trying to figure out for myself as I was going through it um, <clears throat> was the canvas so what i had in my canvas is it started off as like talking about ecological dynamics and that in this sense of business productivity and so that was the original thing i had and then i went nuts and went in down a big rabbit hole now that is a huge topic that does not have an end and so how do you decide like for yourself how you decide what a canvas is is a canvas a piece of content for you is it content driven for you it's that's my what i can see and that's that's the question i had in my head which changed my process from writing so i'm really glad you asked that the original point of the canvas you just saw for those that didn't see it was kind of messy and large was about fake news and I was like, I'm going to do a video on fake news. And then I realized, well, actually, understanding is involved and knowledge is involved, which brings yeah, in epistemology exactly. and that yeah. brings in philosophy. And then yeah. it brings in writing and now creation of thought. Now we're talking about online education. Online education is massive. And when you consider education, well, communication's got to be involved. Now I mm. have six different videos inside of this one canvas. How the F do I deal with this? Yeah, that, because that's where my <laughs> brain was like, I'm like oh, I'll write, I'll write a little article about, you know, how you can use ecological dynamics in business and how it can support the business process for people who are neurodiverse. And I'm like, oh, this will be, this will be fun. This will be good. And then I started. And then I'm like, oh, shit, there's all of this. <laughs> oh, shit, there's all of this. Oh, shit, there's all of this. And I'm like, where do I begin? And this, and where, yeah. And this is where I'm excited to be an independent researcher. Yeah. Because a university, you have an essay deadline, you have mm. a word count limit, which is a pain in the ass, um, and you have a brief 
I was lucky enough to have come up with my own brief for my essays because I love my lecturer, my head, of course, and he was actually useful as a, a lecturer. He wasn't crap and said, you have to write about this thing. Um, <laughs> so I know a lot of people are restricted in what they can write about. But I basically went, OK, there is a lot to talk about here. I can either take the academic route and narrow in on each of these points. So each of the yellow blocks, each of the orange blocks just become a gray block and I'm not going to expand and I just give a summary. Or I say, F you, academics, um, I'm going to go elsewhere. So I took the canvas that I have and I renamed the research file to online education because that's where it was moving to. So that's the overall topic. And I thought, okay, fake news. What is the cliff notes of fake news? And I came to three questions. What is news? What is fake news? And I can't remember the other one because it's in the file. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been researching. So my head's been like down the rabbit hole of all of the research. Uh, the headings are uh yeah why do we care what is news what is fake news and then they were the original three questions and then during my research i came up with okay types of fake news because there are actually different types of fake news depending on how you classify it and i was like okay this is cool uh and then there are a couple of solutions but then there were some issues with the solutions so that becomes another heading so i now have i don't want to share this one because yeah um it's going to be a video and there's tons of oh. stuff in here that I don't know if I can share yet, <laughs> um, but the the canvas of the original topic, I don't have a canvas of this file yet because it's just academics. So I can, uh, where can I share? I can, yeah, I can share this. Because <laughs> <laughs> there is some stuff of like personal research and information. So okay. yeah. Um, and I was like, I because I've spoken to them and I haven't actually like said, hey, are you okay being online? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so here this is for those familiar with my research process i will explain it very briefly unfamiliar yep. sorry those unfamiliar i'll explain it briefly um i read i look at illicit i take some papers i put them into zotero i then do a little bit of a, a search around those papers see if there's anything similar still in illicit then i read the paper inside of zotero highlighting all of the points that I don't use chat GPT about these topics because uh, I tried. No, well. yeah. I tried and it just doesn't give me anything useful. It just repeats the same stuff. The papers say, I'm like, there's no point in this. Um, and I've tried explain paper as well. But again, explain paper gives me the information that the paper already gives me. So I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to read the paper because I'm, I'm, I know enough about this topic. Yeah. So I read it. In it very much is just, just to come in. Chat GPT is really good when you're first into a topic like the example that i gave was like looking at this formula which is a formula which is maths which there is a right answer so to speak there is a correct answer whatever that might mean but there is an answer usually and yeah. that is where i think chat gpt is helpful when you're first starting but once you get to this level when you're diving in this deep i've also had the same thing of like no chat gpt i know that give me a little bit more but it can't so it's where we have to come in and you can engineer responses and you can do a lot of fun things with it but it's not it's better just to read the more time you spend in chat gpt the more time you spend out in chat gpt <laughs> i'm just going to highlight there is a technology section to fake news i yes. chat gpt is part of fake news oh yeah um, absolutely <laughs> like it, it just is so yeah, once I've highlighted the stuff in Zotero, I then push my my button in in my in my ribbon that says Zotero, and then it just brings up the Zotero window because Zotero integration. I nice. type it in, it brings it all in, and then I have the highlights, um, and all the highlights are inside the page. Love it. Then I have them listed. Actually, I can jump down to the bottom because there's nothing down there. I have them listed down here. Um, there's none down there because I've gone through them all. <laughs> Uh, but I'll, I'll have the paper listed and then I'll go through the paper and I'm looking at the points. So essentially I'm reading the paper a second time, but I'm reading the points of the paper. Right. So just to clarify, are you reading the points of the paper inside of Zotero? No, sorry. In, inside of um, Obsidian, like the points that you've highlighted, you're going through them again. 
you're sort of rereading the paper, but also not rereading the paper, if that makes sense. Yeah. So All right, yeah. what I've done uh, for those listening is I've got a link of a paper down the bottom. I've just done a copy and paste. And I would have two windows up because I can only share one screen. I have to share one. <laughs> um, so I would have the paper on my yeah. left screen. I'd have the yeah. actual like research file on the right screen. And I would go through and say, okay, this is an interesting point. Do I want it? Yes or no. If I don't, I'll move to the next point. So I'm only reading the the points that I read the first. Around that I yeah. yeah. So okay. this is, if you use Tiago's terms, progressive summarization. I've read yes. it once. Now I'm reading it a second time. The difference with here is, I think this is a really bad example paper. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a really bad example paper because this is quite a, a unique paper. There you go. This is one that I mm, sort of not really. I wouldn't use that. Uh, <laughs> let me let me carry on scrolling to see if there's anything. I think this is one paper that I was like, okay, yeah, this is a really good example. That's about it. This is a bad example, but it's the, a bad paper that I picked. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there's a reference in a point, so say this is a reference, I've just highlighted published in 1644, John Milton. What I would yeah. do is yeah. go to Google Scholar, find the reference, and then I wouldn't reference the McGonnell fake news. I wouldn't reference the original paper. I would reference the paper they've referenced. Yeah. Right? So it's like a secondary yeah. reference. And then that is what all of the tasks are. So all the, they're yellow because of CSS. So all of the yeah. tasks are, okay, this is a reference from a paper I've read, but they reference somewhere else. So yeah. in, this is where my process has changed. In When I was writing essays, I didn't have the time to go and look at all the individual references. I just yeah. had to go, yep, they referenced it. It's a reference from someone else, but I can't be, I don't have the time and I can't be diligent enough to check the original yeah. source. Yeah. But here I can check the original source. So I've put the original source as a task. Right. Now, when I go all the way to the top, I have tons of tasks where I'm like, hey, here's a load of original sources I need to check to see if they actually said what they, they supposedly what said. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the process. So is that? Yeah, sorry, go on quickly in the process you can see alcott 2017 alcott 2017 um and they will be oh they're alcott 2017 there where is their original sheesh um but the reason there is the reason they are linked and this one isn't is yeah. one paper referenced it and yeah. then a different paper referenced a different point but they've referenced the same paper so i know alcott 2017 i haven't read it yet but I know yeah. Alcott 2017 is a really big paper in this field because it's been referenced multiple times by multiple sources. Yeah. So I know I need to go read it. And I can see that in the task because I've this is a block reference. Um, and I can see Rini 2017 is another paper. Uh, white, re white review essay, it looks like I've actually done that one. So that's a task that I actually need to go through the highlighter points. But I can see in these tasks, okay, these are the papers I need to read. These are the papers that are really important, highlighted. And all of these have already been clipped into Zotero. I, I know I can open up my, I haven't opened up Zotero today because it's in the morning. Um, but this is part of the process that when I was at uni, I, I, would, I would never have the time to do it because I would just stick with the 15, 20 references, write it up, which is a, a different process I can go through if you want, uh, and then figure it out from there. So, yeah, you had a question? Um, yeah. So if you go back to your obsidian in a second, because my brain needs to see it. <clears throat> so you, the highlighted, the ones that actually have pages uh, um, attached. I'm, or... I'm safe down here. Yeah. Uh, the pages that you have. So when did you create that page and why? Is it because you know you because multiple people have like referenced it? Um, not that one. When you were in the task list, how do you decide because obviously if there are lots of papers, that one is highlighted. What does that link to? Okay, so that links to just a, a page there. It's a block reference. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's just a block reference. So that's basically yeah. where I so this is this is the original Alcott 2017. This is the first time I saw it. You can see it's there. Yeah. Um false news is not factual, so can't be verified. Alcott and yeah. however you say that said it. Um <laughs> then yeah. in other places, Alcott was referenced. Now I clicked on the reference just a second ago. If I click on the task, I'm gonna fingers crossed it's okay. Yeah, that's safe. Uh you can see here. 
that it just says Donald Trump. There is actually a reason Donald Trump is just there. Um, but it's referenced in so you can see I've referenced the original block which I went to okay. last time. Okay. So instead of me typing out Alcott 2017 again, I've linked it here. So inside the data view query, which is um I can share that for those interested. Oh yes. DV task list, DV current. Yeah. So it's looking for the current page tasks, file yeah. tasks, because I'm looking for the tasks in the file where it's not completed. And then yeah. I put false because I don't want to see all the other information. Because that would be far too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want all of like, this is the location of the... Oh, you're going. Um, so these are just the things I need to go through. Yeah. So the link is... It links back to the original one, but it's, it's just another way of me saying, do this one first. So it's kind of like, hey, this is super important. Go look at that paper now, boy. <laughs> kind of thing. It's telling you... That it's, it's, you need to read that paper. So you use a block reference to, it's almost like adding a priority to that paper. It's like, hey, this is a high priority paper. It's been referenced multiple times from multiple sources. So this is high priority. Go and do that first kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, cool. it's also a, a confirmation in my own head. Because while I'm going through all of this research, and if I go down to the bottom, as I'm adding in this point and I come down here and I'm like, wait a minute, I recognize that name. Don't I already have that? I yeah. can then put the brackets, put the, the hat symbol, which is on the six key. I can't remember what it's actually called. I think it's a carrot symbol, maybe? Yeah, um, I think it's a carrot. Mm, yeah, and yeah. then I can type in, so in this case, Alcott. I type in AL, and if Alcott comes up, I know I've already referenced it. So that's confirmation of my own thinking that I've seen the reference before. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, I have heard it before. I'm not losing my mind. <laughs> um, because... <laughs> Alcott, because I saw it so many times, I was like, yeah, I've seen that one. But with the other one, Rinny, I couldn't remember what year the post was. And I was like, I think I've seen this paper reference somewhere, but I can't remember. And it was actually like four hours ago, like when I was going through this, just give you an idea of how long this takes. I've been working on this for 17 hours so far. Yeah. Um, and technically it would be 21 minutes of reading. Like you could read this in 21 minutes, apparently. Um, that's including references. So probably more like 15. Anyway. Yeah. So the Rini paper, I was like, have I have I put this one down? I can't remember. When I clipped it in Zotero, it said yes. <laughs> so I knew that, but I wanted to do it while I was in Obsidian. And in, that's in an Obsidian, Obsidian check. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was just the intriguing thing for me. I was like, oh, why? Why have you got that? Why is that different? I like that. It's cool. Thank you. So to come into Zotero to give you an idea of what this looks like, this is basically where I started. I started with these, what's that, 10? 10, 15, 12. 12. I started with these 12 papers. That's where I was like, yep. And that's normally, as an academic, where I'd finish. be like, ah, that's fine. Yeah. These are all of the, the original sources that I found from this paper. Okay. <laughs> from those papers, yep. Yeah. So these are all of the papers in the task. You can see Pep, Mujek, Flood, Ferrari, Oremus, they they would be the names inside the task that I'd come in here and come and be like, oh, where's that? So we can, if we can, can we find Alcott? Where is it? Uh, I can't see it. Alcott will be there. No, somewhere. I can't either. Uh, oh, hang on. Is it that one? Because, oh no, it wasn't that one. Uh, I, I don't know. Alport? No, or maybe. Alport. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, it will be there somewhere. Um, yeah. If it's not, then I'll obviously have to troubleshoot why it's not there. Um, but I then have a list of all of the papers I can go through in the same sorts of process. I will double click in, I'll come into the, the file and then I will read whatever it is, highlighting stuff. Then I'd go back to obsidian, click on me item. And then it comes in here as yeah. a thing down the bottom. And then I can add stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, so that's, that's where I'm at at the moment. I have an, I have a question. I'm just intrigued. How do you know when to stop? Good question. Synthesis. Okay. Um, I'm going to stop sharing for this one. Yeah. So synthesis is essentially where you have read most of the papers and they're referencing one another. Mm -hmm. And the question you've asked, you're getting the same sorts of answers. Okay. So you're repeatedly getting the same answer or you're repeatedly being referred to the same source. And that generally is synthesis. You can then keep going. Yeah. But for me, 
I know now I'm hitting a point of synthesis with this research topic because as you saw, Alcott's been referenced multiple times, Rin's been referenced multiple times, and the points that I have made, I have five or six different papers that say the exact same thing. Mm. I could go and look for more, but there's no point. And I'm I'm at a point now where I can read one of the papers about uh, fake news and misinformation shared in media and be like, I know what the introduction is going to say. I know what the lit review is going to have. I know what the discussion points are going to be. So I'm at a point of synthesis with this argument. Yeah. If I then want to move elsewhere and go to a different argument, that's when I then go back to the big canvas and be like, hey, this yeah. is how it impacts all the other stuff. Yeah, because that's I think I think for me, where I'm at right now and what I want to be doing is I'd love to what you're doing for the fake news and all the other things is exactly what I want to be doing, but with a business spin on it. And the thing that is like, I can just hear my brain going, oh, that's going to take a lot of time and I won't know where to stop. Like, that's the bit that I'm like, I need to see the boundaries of the environment that I'm in before I get started. For me, yeah. a, good, a good point to know when to stop is I'm bored of researching this now because I know what they're going to say. Yeah. So once you start <laughs> to basically predict what the paper's saying, you're like, okay, cool. I'm done now. It's the same as online content. When you've binge watched so much of someone's content. Yep. And you're like, well, this is obvious. That's obvious. That's that's when you know you're at a point of synthesis in that topic and area. Go somewhere else. Mm. Um, and it's the same with researching anything because it's it's what learning is. You have a level of expertise that the content that's currently being shared isn't helping with. So for me with the fake news topic, I'm getting close to a level of expertise where I could probably write an academic paper about it. I have no intention of doing that or want. I'm going to make a video about it. Um, fake news, misinformation, the interactions between that and online education. But what it does mean is in order for me to expand my expertise, I need to bring in another concept, another topic or another perspective. And that's where the genius word comes in it's where you bring in a high level of expertise in one area high level of expertise in another area then combine those to create a new original whatever word you want to put there idea or thought or concept or spin on something rather than regurgitating the same stuff over and over and over again which is what academics asks you to do <laughs> they yeah. ask you to repeat the same thing justify the because of the way the business works uh, yes i'm going to do a video on that but again that's another big topic <laughs> because that's i think that's so i'm looking at like what i've just been doing so far which is very early on in the process and i'm also thinking of another one is the coaching thing because we've had a chat about coaching stuff off off screen and i'm like i would be really let's research a bit of that and see what happens and obviously i've got that book um and i'm <laughs> yeah. just like oh well that's going to be because i can just think i remember what? the references in that book my canvas for the I haven't even I I want to make a canvas for coaching, but I'm scared. I'm scared yeah. Obsidian won't hold it. <laughs> That's exactly my I'm like, okay. I know if I start this, I'm dead. I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Let's like, I, I don't want to put coaching in the middle of a canvas because I, no. I, I know the canvas <laughs> will start screaming at me at about like two thousand cards. <laughs> Yeah, because that's the, and it's it's about choosing the size of the canvas and the size of the topic. Because of course, if you do coaching as a canvas, you, you're in trouble. Mm. And then you've got the different types of coaching. And then I and thought then the... I thought fake news was fine, so I thought, oh yeah, that's a fairly narrow topic. <laughs> yeah, hell, was I wrong? No. Yeah. So, but but that's a learning point in itself. Yeah. Like, that's a learning point in itself going, I don't think this topic is that big. I mean, um, some of you vigilant that were watching the YouTube video will have seen Pizzagate at the bottom of my to-dos. I had never heard of Pizzagate. I didn't know what it was. Do I've you know what it was? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know what it was, Um, but it came up in multiple papers. I was like, what is this thing? Then I found a YouTube video about it. Then I found a Vox video about it. I was like, oh, actually, this is a really big thing. I didn't know about this. Um, yes. And it's crazy what you can find when you not even go deep because it was on youtube there were millions of views and obviously it was on national news as well you're like how does and there are loads of other news stories as well that were on national news in multiple countries and different places that were completely false you're like how they never heard of this thing so the canvas can start really small and then it can get massive very very quickly which is why i think canvas is great for getting all your thoughts out on paper mm. it's just 
I'm going to blurt loads of stuff out, brainstorm what's going on, and it gives me an idea of where to go. Because the original idea for fake news was I'm going to research fake news for 50 hours. Yeah, I'm 11 hours in, just fake news. Yeah. <laughs> like, just the fake news bit. So what I've realized is my writing process has changed, not, not because I'm out of academics, but because yeah. I'm free to research more. And I can I can look at the primary sources. I can actually dive into where the information came from because when you're a student, you don't have the time to do that. And my writing has because I'm because I have uh, the idea that it's going to go into a video. The writing has obviously changed. Instead of doing a paragraph with so when I was writing for uni, I had loads of references because I love researching. I had. I know this is an advice to any academic teachers. Don't shout at me. Uh, I had a reference per 10 words, roughly per 10 to 15 words, because I was so into the research. And I'm not saying I duplicated references. I'm saying I had individual references for 10 to 15 words. The rough guidelines, I know guidelines are poor, but roughly it's around one to 100 words is what you'd normally expect for a student. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have 10 times the amount of references. My My head, of course, loved it. Everyone else marking my stuff hated it, right? So I had tons of references. If I was to write like that in a video, the the density of the information would be difficult for experts to consume, let alone general population. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm like, okay, this is a point. Let's do some visual stuff. I have in my head how I'm going to visually explain the point. Then this is a point. Then... There's still going to be probably just an ongoing reference reel in the top left. Just this is reference, this reference, this reference, just like a, a flop. Um, but it's better than me just giving tons of deep information and everyone getting confused. But that's the difference, I think, between science communication and science writing. Mm. Cool. Yes. That was really I need to explore. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's great. It's really interesting because that's where my brain is like, oh, I just want to dive into these rabbit holes. So from a business perspective, something that I'm shifting, I suppose, or just embracing. I love my rabbit holes. I like them, but they don't make money as such currently. So I want to talk about some issues with Obsidian. OK, let's do that. Because, yeah, I, I think it relates very, very well. We've been talking about the canvas. We've yes. been talking about Zotero integration. Oh, yes. And as you've seen in my vault, it looks like different colors. I have different CSS and I've got yes. lots of plugins. <laughs> How does a beginner person start using Obsidian? I keep asking myself that question every time I, I make a video. And the answer is very complicated because <laughs> there's, no, yeah. there's no just use it. You can just use it for just writing that that yes so i added um a little bit into my course like the task table for busy brains about obsidian and my capture i focused on capture because that's probably the easiest most visual way of doing it um and i'm like i installed some community plugin oh i'm gonna need to explain community plugins i did these oh i'm gonna need to explain that oh i'm gonna like as i was going through i'm like how the because a beginner supposed to use Obsidian, <laughs> like in a way that is going to like, because this process that we have, everyone can use. Like mm -hmm. it is, it is completely flexible. It is completely adaptable to the way that individuals' brains work and you can make it your own and make it work your own. And that to me is what I believe everyone should be doing is create using the tools that fit their brain and most people's brains are not give me just a list of things it's oh this is a thought here this is a thought here how do i bring those two together in my business in my world in my life in my research and obsidian is is amazing at doing that but the barrier to entry is kind of astronomically high because to get to that point there's so much to learn as such and yeah there are courses but there's so much 
it's like I showed a client during a call, like, well, how do you do it? I'm like, <laughs> shit. Um, I, I loaded up a obsidian. I'm like, this is how it works. It's, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, that's how I can follow this. When you show many systems, especially in Notion, it's like, what is going on here? What, what database am I now in? What, 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 what am I, I doing? And I'm like, what yeah. What portal did I go touch- through? <laughs> yeah and then it's like obsidian is like here it is okay cool i get it it's like going back to our like what our live stream Hmm. where it took us no time at all to go through my space and it was not the most thrilling Hmm. we had fun but like it was this is how it works yeah that makes sense and that was it and what you've highlighted there i think is the there are lots of underlying issues with the way the Obsidian app works. Not works as in functionally works, but works as in development works um, at the moment that I think leads to this issue of onboarding. How do you onboard someone to Obsidian? It's going to depend what context they're in. If they're in a business context, yeah. they don't need onboarding for X, Y, Z. But if they're yeah. in a writing context, they don't need onboarding for the ABC. Yeah. Now, a couple of the vault builds I've done for obsidian one of them is my 2023 volt build which is just massive here's loads of stuff you can do but some people will cherry pick bits out i've recently put up a habit building one which is based on on journals and and habit building and habit tracking which is great but if you don't want to do any of that if you just want to write how do you just start writing and and you would need another vault build to then start with the writing process but what if you're doing code what if you're doing xyz blah 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 Mm. so you kind of need like a an onboarding course for each context but you can't do that because everyone's different. That that to me is one of the biggest issues of City and House. Can you can you use it straight out of the box? Yes. Do you do you need to understand code? No. Do you need to use plugins? No. Can you use it like as an everyday note taker? Yes. But if you want to do more with it, then you're like, okay, now I need to get into the world of what effing plugin do I need to use? <laughs> yeah. There are so many. And I see the plugins as an issue. Ooh. I think I think community plugins are an issue. Too much freedom? Not necessarily. Hmm. I think the developers potentially have too much freedom. I don't know how you would manage it. But from a from a someone that's experienced with Obsidian. Going through 854 community plugins ain't easy. It's a full-time job managing plugins. It's a full-time job being able to understand what updates, what plugins do what, what new plugins are out and when they're out, what plugins go out of date, what plugins are now in core that are not needed. And it's it's a full-time job to manage that. Most people don't have the time to do all of that. So how can Obsidian help with that? I think VS Code does a very nice job of it, adding a rating scale for plugins rather than just downloads. Because if you have just downloads, you have plugins that have been downloaded tons when they worked, then they broke, but they still have tons of downloads, so they're high in the rankings. Like, yeah, they're broken. And then you've got things like, ad, is it Admonition, which is now hmm. basically core, but because it wasn't, they've got a lot of downloads. Exactly. But now it's almost... I. I haven't looked at admonition any more than I needed to because I'm like, well, why do I need that when I've got that? And that's the question. Like, it adds a little bit, but unless you need that little bit, you yeah. don't need the plugin anymore. And a lot of the Obsidian users will have plugins, forget they've got them installed, don't use them anymore because Core's it, got it, them. Look at their plugins, and go, damn, I need to get rid of some of these. Yeah, <laughs> which I makes I... plugin management a thing. It shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, I think you would. I think you've kind of got something there with like the context-driven, like onboarding. I like that idea of like, here is who you like. You need an expert who knows enough about Obsidian to help guide someone and have an onboarding that is like specifically tailored. But the problem with that is, what? <sighs> I think there is an issue with that because one, it's a free plugin. So why would you hire someone to do that? Like, why would you do that? It's it's designed to, it's just not marketed well enough. It, my dream would be to have Obsidian go mainstream. And what I mean by that. Tiago Post. Like, <laughs> huh? Tiago Post. 
yeah <laughs> i'd love obsidian to go mainstream and the reason why is because it really is flexible and i don't even talk to me about it. i will go there in a minute um <laughs> It is about how flexible and adaptable it is to people's brains. In the in the space that I inhabit, which is primarily neurodiverse, like, space, I know, get over it. I'm going to use that term because they understand what it means and it's helpful for... Science communication. People. Yeah. What? Science communication. Science. That, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and so... <clears throat> In that space, everyone's like, I want to get organized. I want to do this. I want to be able to do these things. I want to do these things. And it's like, it's cramming yourself into a box that doesn't fit. And Obsidian is an open playground. But because nobody talks about the open playground, and obviously there are so many assumptions that need to be managed, like they assume their productivity has to be in a certain way and look a certain way. It has to be one, two, three, a list, complete the list, just do the thing. And as I've been going through the thousands of people who have gone through the course in the last, I, I keep seeing the same issues of like, yeah, I just, uh, I'm not, I need to be more organized to be more productive. That woody word that I just love that phrase, woody word. It's just feels so good to say. Um, and it's like the woody words. It's like, well, what do you actually want to do? Oh, I need to be more disciplined. Do you? But but do you want to be more disciplined? Because I don't, because I know I don't want to be more disciplined because that means my life is bloody boring. I like enjoying and exploring stuff and having that experience of life. Disciplined is, yeah, fine, I suppose, but educational system educational system exactly you, need, you um, need to sit in this chair and yeah. look at that board and listen yeah. to the person and i'm like if you want to do that go get a job because <laughs> yeah. they'll do that for you but if go, you're go a sit in a cubicle you're bored out of your brain yeah just go sit in a cubicle because that's what discipline looks like it's sit in a cubicle fill out these dots and go ahead this is a post i need to go and write in a minute i'm gonna go do that in a minute thank you but like being disciplined is not what you want. It's about being able to manage yourself in a way that makes damn sense. And Obsidian can do that because you can make it what you want. You can have the buttons in any position that you want. Well, make it what but, you want. But isn't it a hobbyist app? It's off. No, it's not a hobbyist app. That drove me fucking insane when i read that i'm like no obsidian isn't a hobbyist app it's just people treat it like a hobbyist app it's the public perception is that it's a hobbyist app if you actually use it i what it what it creates and i'm very passionate about this like it creates an environment that you can create your own constraints and play in and you can do what you want and have it work for you i couldn't do what i do right now in the environment that i'm in in the context that i'm in because there's so much going off uh, for me at the moment going wrong and without like the system and the environment that i've created in obsidian i wouldn't still be functioning in that way because i didn't have something that supported me that gave me the way i like gave me a place to play in to really respect the way that i work rather than trying to force it on something somebody else how's notion different cuz i remember when you were using notion you said your I system i said the same thing yeah so do you so, think notion would have helped you through the time you're going through now i stopped you uh to a certain degree to a certain degree, but it is just that little bit more restrictive and there are friction points. And the main friction point for me is the capture. For me, like I need fast, quick capture that doesn't require effort. When my when I just don't have the energy, when I'm feeling like crap, I don't want to be capturing tasks and spending hours trying to capture that. Like it's not hours, but it feels like hours. It's literal seconds. It's a few seconds more. But that few seconds more makes a damn difference when you are in that space. 
and the capture is the point where a, where notion falls down for me and also the fact that when you want to change something it's it's not as modular as you might need notion helped me get started and i still love notion for that because it got me going it got me asking the questions what would this look like what if I didn't have to work in a certain way? It got, it got my, I, I swallowed the red pill. Is it the red pill or the blue pill? I never remember. I think it's the red one. Yeah, I, I took so. the red pill with Notion. And then Obsidian was the next evolution of that because it's like, oh, cool. I just need, I need that free form flexibility to go play. Because for me, Notion was just it put me in a box a tiny bit too much and the capture process and the fact that it was so slow to load and <laughs> like, and, and all of the tiny things and they were tiny, but those tiny things were big. And right now all of those tiny things would add up to be big for me, mm. but everyone's just like, Oh, push through it. Just keep going. Oh, really? Thank you. I did not know that. Let me try to push through it because obviously I'm not trying to do that. Insert sarcasm. Uh, yeah, huge sarcasm. Yeah, I think I think Obsidian does reduce a lot of those friction points once you have an understanding of what it can do, because mm. it is so freeform. A lot of people are like, yeah, but I I need barriers. I I need guidance. I need a I need someone to tell me what to do. Is what a lot of people want, which I understand that because people want safety. They want to make sure they're not making mistakes, etc., etc. Et uh, and I think the plugin problem with Obsidian, with the amount of plugins there are, is there are things... So there are things in Obsidian that I didn't know I wanted until I so, knew there was yeah. a plugin about it. I'm like, yes. Like toggling YAML, like hiding the YAML. I'm like, yes, please, I want that. And I just add it to a command where I can push a button and it's gone. I push a button and it's there again in, it, in all the files. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. a small thing that's really nice. Um, it's... If you haven't seen the plugin, it's a plugin called Toggle Meta YAML. <laughs> uh, it literally does one thing: toggle the meta, the metadata. And um, but again, it's one of those things that I didn't know I wanted until I had it or saw it. Yeah. And in Obsidian, yeah. with eight hundred and fifty plus plugins, you can't yeah. go through all of that. And with the eight hundred and fifty plus plugins, none of them are marketers, so do not have the power of things like Notion and and Tsama and all the other apps that exist that have a marketing frame to work in. Oh, I'd love to work with plugin developers and give them some marketing shit because it would make a big difference. For they're them. all doing it for free and they do it in the spare time most of the time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and, and I think that and, is and that's the thing. Because some of the plugins do it in their spare, or developers do it in their spare time, um, or they do it for a bit of fun, is if there's a bug, they'll fix the bug when they get the time, or if there's an issue, they'll fix the issue when they get the time. And it, it's not a it's not a big company that's saying, "Hey, here are all the features." It's a five person company with a big community that want to help. And the way I see it is just like a game. It's like a mod pack. If you have a plugin, it's like a mod I pack. I was just about to say that myself. That's where my brain went. It's like, it is a mod. Yeah. I was just thinking, for example, for me, it was City Skylines. Like you can play the base game of City Skylines, which is for people who don't know, it sounds exactly what it is. It's a city building game where you can build yourself a city. I love it. It's great. And it functions fine on its own. But once you add mods in, it becomes a playground for you to play in and you can add anything from mcdonald's to i don't know anything else there's so much you can do with it but when you're getting started you play the base game and then it's like oh okay i want more now and then you can add more in and it's just, I, I think I, of I, minecraft i think of minecraft yeah, and you're like yes. vanilla minecraft because i always used to say i was a vanilla notion user because i didn't use other things and yes. i would say i was a vanilla obsidian user for about a year yeah, and and then then I went mod like Obsidian modded <laughs> because I think I'm at now twenty five plugins something like that 21, 21 plugins and I may be reducing that I'm not sure yet we'll we'll see what happens I see um, yeah what's going uh, potentially database folder mm. yeah. Yeah, potentially, because I'm I'm not. Is that because using... the metadata? Is it metadata menu edit thing? Yeah, metadata that is menu. really nice. Yeah, I've I've figured out how to use it, and it's very yeah. nice, very powerful, especially when you understand, or if you understand how to use data view queries. But I mean, who knows what's going to happen to data view when data call comes out? So that's going to be insane. I can't wait for data call. 
Yeah, exactly. But again, this is one of those things that beginner users, beginner users won't know that data core is a thing that's going to come out that's going to change how data view works. So when they're like, oh, what plugin shall I use? And you say, oh, use data view. Then they spend three or four weeks trying to understand data view. Then data core comes out like, but I've only just learned how to use this thing. Mm. That's a pain point. (laughs) That's a friction point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's my pain point. (laughs) That's why I ask you. Because because it's it's easy and I watch your 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 YouTube and I find things like oh cool that's cool that's how you do that oh that's interesting I learned more about metadata edit from your journal video right journal yeah. vault thing I'm like oh you can do that okay cool that's interesting I'm gonna go play now yeah yeah and, and but that is I think one of the issues with Obsidian becoming not mainstream but I see Obsidian being this may be a, a big stretch being the VS Code for writers. Right. VS Code is the go-to app for programmers and coders. It's free, it's available, community love it, and it's expandable with extensions. And the extensions are backed by multiple companies. You've got Microsoft in there, you've got um like Microsoft share stuff in there. So you have Microsoft accounts linking with VS Code to help people work together and collaborate. If you speak to any new coder or programmer, you say install VS Code. And then learn blah, blah, blah. Because you've got themes, you've got panels, blah, 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 etc. Obsidian is the same effing thing. The only difference is you can't render code in it and it doesn't look as code friendly because it's not for code. Yeah. Writing. (laughs) And when when I think about writers, what is a... if If someone says to me, I want to become a writer, what app do I use? I go, well, you could use Word, but that's not very nice because collaborative features. You could use Docs, but that's disgusting because no one uses Docs apart from when they're collaborating and then they use Word to format it. But then you can't really link any of your research notes. So you'll have a a second Doc with your research. Or you could use Scrivener, but that's a big bloated application that can slow down your PC if you've got too many files in it. And it's also kind of complicated to navigate between the whole script and then the individual script. So you need to know the application. And then insert like seven other popular writing Ulysses. apps for different. Well, yeah, like Ulysses, Bear, and some other like writer-specific ones for fiction writing, and then you've got some other writer ones for academic writing. It's it's a wild west of applications, and I think Obsidian is a point where if it curbs its plugin world in some way, I would like it to be, mimic. VS Code's extensions, so it gives you some recommended plugins. Yeah. Like, hey, here's some recommended plugins, maybe linking with other plugins you've installed. So if you install DataView, it would say, hey, database folder works with DataView, or metadata edit <coughs> yes. works with DataView. Would you it's like more like a recommendation those? engine? That would be really yeah. good. Yeah. Because I mean, Obsidian is built for linking, and you can see that some plugins need DataView to work. So some people will install metadata menu and it not work because they don't have DataView installed. DataView. Yeah. And you don't know that unless you look at the error message, which pops in the top right. But you wouldn't know that the error message yeah. is popping in the top right if you're a beginner. I, I, I don't even look at the error messages now. <laughs> I do because I need to troubleshoot the stuff because when people ask me the questions, I need to know how to solve them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but having like a, a recommended option. And then yeah. I don't know if you've actually looked into the VS Code uh, extension stuff, but you can sort, you can filter, you can yes, search. Yes, I've through, seen it. It's very nice. The extensions very well. When you click on an extension, there's also a, a default layout of what you ex- of what the readme is. There is a GIF yeah. or a video at the top, like showing you what the video is, a good summary of what the plugin is, an updated oh, summary yeah. of what the plugin is, just to say, because yeah. some plugins don't have that. Um, and then they also have a star, a star rating of the plugin, yeah. which is voted for by community users, not everyday users that have just installed it once and then left, but actual users of the plugin. And I think just adding those things would help the plugin world a bit i did i have put this on the obsidian forum as a feature request so if you want to vote for it go over to the obsidian forum and vote for it but i think that would help onboarding for new users because you then have a recommended like option for all of these plugins and a better understanding of what's going on and you don't have to try and navigate the forum the discord the community plugin window and they are very overwhelming i do not go to the forum i do not go to the discord because both are overwhelming as hell (laughs) i just go to danny um (laughs) who goes to the discord and the forum? who goes to the discord and does all that for me because then i just don't have the time but yeah i agree they if they implement something like that 
that will bring it, make it easier for more people to use. Because, and like, I suppose as a content creator, there is something you could perhaps do, like what you did with the journal vault. And my brain's like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Just to have like a starter kit and this is how you use those things. This is how I use those. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, and my brain's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like a, a context specific Weirdly enough, dare I even say this, templates actually might be better in Obsidian. <laughs> like, I think I, I'm wondering whether, so Obsidian... It's like a vault startup, like a... Yeah, like... Pick, pick your context. For coaches, started, starter for, you know, busy-brained individual. My brain's just like, oh, marketing, let's go do that now. Like, that's, that is... I don't want to plug my course, but that's what I've tried to do with it. Because when you look at the start, you've got personal productivity. That's how you build a vault for journaling, for habit tracking, for the personal productive stuff. And you can add those plugins in as you go. If you want to be a business owner, look at the business owner track, and then you can add your calendar stuff, add your projects and your progress bars. If you want to be a knowledge worker, okay, now you want your import and export information. So I have those three tracks inside the course deliberately for individual contexts. But then I also have all of the plugins all over the place because you may want to add a bit here or add a bit there which you don't know you want until you're in that problem and you're like i need i need this i need the solution where do i find it and you're going to search for it are you going to search for a solution inside the community plugins or on youtube (laughs) you're going to look on youtube and you may find it you may not which is what i've tried to do with the course Mm. This is one yeah. context. This is another context. And even with the vault builds, because I have the vault builds in the course as well, I have the plugins listed next to the vault build. So you can have a look at the yeah. plugin. And because it's Obsidian, the plugin is therefore linked with other vault builds, other lessons, and other plugins that it's related to. So your train of thought is followed through inside of my course, but it could be the Obsidian help docs. Like, there's no reason it couldn't be, apart yeah. from it takes a lot of time and a lot of maintenance which is why I charge for the course because it's a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope I, I would love Obsidian to become closer to mainstream. And that I think that would be a good way of starting, of having that filtering, having that functionality of actually like, here is what it, because when I downloaded VS Code, I was like, oh, what plugins? And I took a course and a course told me what plugins to install. I just type it in and I found it. And the naming conventions are the same. I'm not having to navigate everybody's individual way of writing stuff out and having a, a, a kind of a, a loose structure in VS Code is really helpful. And if they put that in Obsidian, because one of my concerns with like having a more not gated, but more controlled plugin is like, but that reduces the power does that is there a risk that that reduces the power of obsidian of like how customizable it is but if there is less of a i suppose if you don't limit it because from what i understand you can put any plugin on vs code and create your own plugin and it's there it's just vs code has some um moderation of plugins used so yeah. I wouldn't add that feature. The what I would take from VS Code is the essentially the search, the search and the recommended options. Just because when you go into the community plugins at the moment in Obsidian, it's here you go, here you can browse, you can sort by last updated. That was a recent update. You can sort by downloads and stuff, which is fine, but there's no recommended sort, mm. which I think just adding that would be very powerful. Uh, and it's hard to actually see what's going on in the plugins apart from like the name of it. You can't which which naming conventions are awful. I <laughs> I hate yeah. I hate the way everybody names their plugins. So I'm like, well, why would I want that? And then you're like, this is what it does. Oh, I want that. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the the default view, the the default gallery view of the search, I don't like it because it it just shows me loads of stuff. I'd much rather it be the second view. So once you've typed something in and then you have the plugins on the left and then they read me like in the center view, I'd much rather that one be the default mm. because then I can actually see the read me. And maybe when you open it, it just has the list of plugins on the left, which you can sort and filter, do whatever. 
but the the readme to start with be an explanation of what the plugins are like a a readme explanation of community plugins now obviously you don't have to read it because you could just type in your plugin and it'll give you the readme of the actual plugin that you're looking at but it means you don't have to add an onboarding step it tells you what it is as you go into it yeah i i think that's something that would help beginners understand what community plugins are because they can read it as soon as they go in and it helps other users as well navigate the current plugin world. Yeah. 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 Elena Koenig yeah. has to do a recap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a bit of a, not necessarily rant, but a, a wish list for Obsidian. And I know they're working on metadata at the moment. So uh, yeah, lots of different things. Hopefully they... they make metadata toggleable so I don't have to use that plugin, but I'll have to pay attention to if it does come to core. Yeah. Oh, so much to talk about. Oh, so so much to think about moving forwards. Yeah. Yeah, right. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, our little research, d- deep dive and obsidian rant. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>